This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Hello, Raw Beauties. Today, we have a guest that I have been following for years now. She's absolutely incredible. Clementine Tussaud is the founder of the All Woman Project, which if you are not already aware of this project, which if you're a Raw Beauty follower, I'm almost can guarantee that you've heard of it or seen their pictures or their words, you need to go right now to Instagram and follow the All Woman Project. It is a platform for women to support body positivity, representation, empowerment, self-acceptance, all the things that we are about. And Clementine is one of the founders of this. She also has a beautiful blog titled bonjourclem.com. Harper's Bazaar recognized her as the face to watch and Vogue named her as one of the top 10 plus size models to follow. So make sure that you're following this woman. She is starting campaigns for Levi's, H&M, Macy's, Nordstrom, Express, Nike, and so many others. She's also a TEDx speaker. So I mean, now everybody's sitting on the edge of their seats (laughs) to hear from you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. That was such a good intro. I love it. (laughs) Honestly, I mean, we don't know each other, but I am in awe of the woman that you are and everything that you have created. When I was in high school, I had this dream that I was going to move to France. I loved my French classes. And so I graduated, all my friends went off to university and I moved to France because I mean, I'd never been there before, but I was obsessed with it. I spent three months living in Southern France in this little teeny tiny town called Biot. I worked as an au pair and I absolutely loved it. Wow. That's great. You made your dream come true. I sure did. I got there and then I realized, oh my gosh, working as an au pair is actually kind of lonely. So I came <laughs> home, but I'm still like, we went to France for our honeymoon. It, I just love, love, love your country. Now you are now though living in the U.S. Is that right? Yeah, I've been living in the U.S. I don't know. It feels like almost 10 years. And you followed your dream to come here. Yeah. You graduated from university in France. And then when yeah. all your friends went to get jobs, you were like, see ya, I'm moving to Miami. Yeah, actually, uh, I got I got a couple jobs in France right after I graduated, and my second job was in Paris, so I moved there for the job, and I don't know, just like a few months in, I was just like, no, that's not for me. <laughs> like, this is just not for me. I was like stuck in an office all day with, you know, surrounded by Parisians, which, you know, are not always my favorites. And, <laughs> and, and I don't know, I was just not living the life I wanted to live. Like I wanted to be on the beach. I wanted to work for myself. I wanted to be free. And, you know, so I just started looking up like on Craigslist and I was yes. like, what kind of jobs is there? Like, cause I wanted to move to Miami. That was my dream. And so I looked in Miami Craigslist and I was like, okay, let's see what they're looking for. And there was a bunch of places looking for French servers and French managers and all that. And I was like, huh, 
let's see what 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 happened if I email those people. And so I emailed a few, and then one came back to me, and they were like, "Yeah, like we're looking for someone to start like in August," and that was like in May. And I was like, "Well, I don't have papers. Like, I don't have anything. I don't know what I'm doing, but I would love to." Yes, you can be here in August. You're hired. I'm like, okay. Honestly, from there, I just like left my apartment, left my boyfriend, told my job I was leaving, and three months later, I was in Miami. Oh, I love you. <laughs> this is so good. So for anybody who's listening right now who's like, damn, I'm kind of like not happy in my job right now. Sometimes it's as easy as looking on Craigslist. I mean, yeah. I Googled how does a Canadian move to France and somehow found out about au pairs, which I had no idea about. And literally the same thing a few months later was in France, like living in the most beautiful place. So sometimes I think we can feel stuck in life and don't know where to go. And I mean, Google, Google girl. Yeah. Yeah. Information (laughs) is at the, you know, fingertips now. So it sure is. I mean, it is definitely, and I always been like that. Like if there's something that makes you unhappy, actually try and figure it out. Cause sometimes we're overwhelmed. But like, it's really up to us to write our own story. And sometimes it must be really much harder than for others. But I just feel like it's always possible. And, and you know, that's, that's always what I've done. And then I was so happy. Like, you know, I was illegal and I was getting paid shit. And I had crazy <laughs> hours. But I was living in Miami Beach. And yes. I was able to see the sunrise every day. And I had great friends. And, you know, then... My dream even like extended, like I got my first like big job as soon as I got here, I got signed with an agency. I mean, everything started because I took that decision to come here and just take the challenge, you know? So you never know what's going to happen if you just follow your heart. You never know. And you are writing such a beautiful story for yourself. I want to go back to the beginning of that story. For those who, who don't know you yet and who are not following you yet, I already said, I'll say it again, follow at Bonjour Clem and at the All Woman Project, Woman with an X. You are radiant. You are curvy. You have the most beautiful freckles and your lips. I'm like, what is happening there? <laughs> I seriously was like zooming in. I'm like, are these real or what's going on? There's, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. So have you always oozed this confidence in yourself? Like, have you always... Uh, exuded this love for your body and self-love? Well, first, the lips are real. Um, <laughs> Thank everything you. Everything else as well for now. <laughs> You're the only model um, out there who still has real lips. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. And you know, like a lot of people I know and worked with, I had no idea they had lips job, but then I, I learned that afterwards and I was like, no, no way. <laughs> Like everybody has actually, it's true. You're right. Like everybody actually has it. But you know what? Like when I was young, like, especially when I started turning into a woman, I got my periods at 10 years old. So by the time I was 12, I pretty much looked like I do now. And I remember it was really hard because my lips made me look very sexual, apparently. Yeah. And so I had a lot of attention from like older men really early on and it made me really uncomfortable. And like, I loved lipstick. Like my mom used to rock those like bright orange, bright pink, bright red. And I loved it. But like on me, like it made my lips pop so much that I felt so uncomfortable. And so I was kind of, um, I had like a small, you know, complex around my lips actually, because they were so big. But I mean, I love it now. Thank God for it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it wasn't always like an acid for me. It was more like embarrassing. 
and so was my whole body honestly um to your question about you know like exuding self-love and confidence and I think people around me always thought that I was confident somehow because talking to my friends from like middle school and high school they told me that that they always thought that about me but I really wasn't at all like I was really really not loving my body I was very um I had a lot of complexes I had a lot of scares around my body I was always too tall too big I had freckles like which wasn't a good thing at the time um my big lips and I don't know it was I was always the different kids and I was always, you know, like the fat kid or the fat teenager that nobody really is going to date because she's fat, even though they're going to tell you, oh, you have a pretty face, too bad you're fat and and stuff like that. So um, it was kind of a challenge loving my body growing up just because I was made to hate it by people, by society, by magazines, by movies. I was just told to hate my body and want to change it. And so that's exactly what I did for most of my life. I worked really hard, or maybe not hard enough, it didn't work, but I worked really hard to change my body. I wanted to cut my inner ties. I wanted to do lipo. I just was thinking about every single way I could take off the weight, but if possible, without working out because I hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, it didn't happen because, you know, that's just not possible. That's that's what I was, and, and I was not able to embrace it. And Actually, when I was 20 years old, right before I moved to Miami, about maybe a year before, I had um, lab band surgery. And I remember I had the doctor lie on the certificate saying that I was about 10 kilos bigger than I really was just so I could get that surgery because there was like about a certain weight. You can do it. And if you're too low, you can't do it. And so, you know, I had convinced them that it would change my life that I would be so much happier if I was thinner, that I needed the help, that I couldn't do it on my own. And and it was awful because when I think about it now, I'm like, how much hate do you have to have for your own body to actually go through a surgery? Not because you're sick, not because you need it, just because you mm. want to change your body. And when I think about it now, it's, I mean, I do regret it because now I have scars and I have issues that came from that surgery that I would have never had if I didn't do it. And but at the same time, you know, it's part of my story. And I know I, would have, I wouldn't have listened to anybody. My mom told me not to do it. And my family was against it. And I just went for it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just feel like it's really sad to think about that. Like, how much hate can a woman have for her own body that she would go through something like that? And I think that's the case of a lot of women. Like, we actually really have hate for our bodies. And we're willing to change it just to fit society's standard. And that's really, really sad. And that's why I'm trying to fight, you know, creating the All Woman Project. That's what I had in mind. Like, I don't want girls and women growing up and, and hating their body like I did. So that's what I wanted to, to do. You know, I think if we look at the statistics of what's happening in the world of plastic surgery and the rates at which women are getting plastic surgery and the ages at which they're getting it, there's no, there's no doubt that you know, we are not happy in our current body. And it's so accessible now is the other thing. It's just kind of the norm. Even this morning, my husband and I were lying in bed and I was like, honestly, like, 
where did my boobs go after having kids? Like, what are they doing down there? And he was laughing and I was like, should I get implants? And he was like, absolutely not. And I was like, I want them, but I just can't imagine like a knife cutting through my skin and then inserting something in there. But I'm like, it's enticing sometimes. And, you know, I'm just going to say it on here. Like there are moments when it seems like the easier option than having to embrace what's currently there. Right. So absolutely that. Yeah. It's the easy option and it's made so easily available to everyone. But the reality is, and what I think I just heard you say is that it doesn't necessarily solve the problem. It doesn't necessarily, because there's always going to be something with our bodies that isn't quite right in relation to society and media's definition of beauty. So you had this surgery, which for anyone who doesn't know is actually when and correct me if I'm wrong, they take a band and wrap it around your stomach to make your stomach smaller so you can't actually eat as much food. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And do you still have that now? It's inside of me, yeah. But about five years ago, I had it loosened fully. So it's it's a band that you can tighten or loosen depending on how much, you know, um, restriction you want. So it used to be like tighten as everyone is, but yeah. then um, I had it fully loosened. So now it acts like it doesn't act at all. So I can eat normally, but it's still inside me. And that gives me major anxiety to have that, you know, device that's not mine inside my body and definitely major anxiety. And like, I'm, I'm getting to the 10 years mark now. So it's um, valid for 10 to 15 years. So I'm going to have to take it off soon. And so that also gives me a lot of anxiety because another, you know, like seven scars coming up and recovery time. And I don't know, it's just like a lot of trouble for something that, you know, I should have done in the first place. And and for sure, like it's definitely haven't changed anything. If anything, it made it worse in some ways. Health-wise first, because of the band, there's a lot of things I could not eat. Like greens, I couldn't digest. I would throw it up every time. Like any meat, I couldn't digest. I would throw it up every time anything big pieces I would throw it up so like socially like you don't have a life like you can't really eat anything and so I started eating mostly fried foods and sweets because that's the only thing that really was going through and didn't make me puke so health-wise it was actually really bad because those foods that I didn't even eat before I got the lab ban I was pretty much eating fries and desserts because that's all I could eat. And so, you know, the quality of my food became really bad. And so health-wise, I imagine it was really bad as well. And so, you know, health-wise, that wasn't good. And then mentally as well, I regretted it quite fast. I started feeling defeated and blaming myself for not being strong enough to do it on my own. So it definitely brought some extra mental health issue on top of that. And and then just physically dealing with the vomiting and like the pain that it brings. I mean, unless there's major, major like health and obesity issue that needs to be dealt with rapidly, I think that's the only way like I would suggest maybe trying it. But any other situation, I would definitely not at all. It's very traumatic, honestly. Thank you so much for sharing this. I feel like nobody ever talks about this stuff openly. And I hope that everyone who's listening right now even if one person just stops to like take 
a second longer to think before, you know, changing their body and every woman's body is their own. And every woman has the choice to do whatever she wants with it. Who knows what might happen to my boobs one day. I might come back on raw beauty talks with, you know, double E boobs. No, just kidding. But you know, every woman should do what is right for them. But I do think we have to really think about these things. And we really have to think about the short-term impact and the long-term impact and weigh you know, all the pieces and have all the information. So thank you. Yeah. for sharing. Mm-hmm. And, How- and also it's, it's about, it's, it's about thinking that your life is going to be better if you change your body, right? Like that's what we do things for. When we think if I'm skinny, this is going to happen. If I'm skinny, I'm going to be better at this, better at that. But it, it is all just so not true. Like I just cannot testify enough about that because I know that's the first reason why women want to do those. And it's just, it's not like right now I am heavy. I'm I'm pretty much about 235 pounds right now. I'm at the heaviest I've ever been, even post-surgery. And I am the happiest I've ever been. And, you know, the most accomplished and I made everything work at that size. And I think women really need to realize that their body has nothing to do with getting to their goals and, and achieving happiness. Goosebumps. You just spoke the truth and it is, I mean, I'm here for it. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all faced, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Put up your hand if you tend to be really all or nothing when it comes to health and wellness, like you are eating 
all the most nourishing foods and all the ones that everyone's told you are the most healthy. You're working out, you're meditating, you're so committed, and then boom, something happens. You go to a birthday party, you have a weekend away, some sort of hard conversation has to happen at work, and all of a sudden you've been thrown completely off track. I feel yeah. I have been there so many times and I know that inevitably this cycle that we can get into leads to major feelings of disappointment and lowered self-esteem. And when we're not feeling good in our body, that really impacts all areas of our life. I created the Raw Beauty Reset, in case you didn't hear already, our 12-week program, The Shift, got a rename. It's now called the Raw Beauty Reset. And this 12-week program was designed to help you really improve and find a healthier relationship with food and your body. We go through four main pillars, nourishment. You'll learn how to eat intuitively and in a way that feels balanced and incredibly nourishing for your body. Movement, learn how to create a sustainable workout plan that actually feels enjoyable to do. Mindset, you'll learn how to be more mindful, how to feel more calm and confident in who you are and then self-love, which is the constant act of knowing yourself and honoring who you are. To celebrate this refresh of our name, I'm now offering the Raw D Reset for only three payments of $99. We have never done this before. So if you're finishing this summer off feeling like, again, you missed out on things because you just didn't feel comfortable in your body or that you were eating all the things during the summer and you're just not feeling your best, this program is for you. 12 weeks. I want you to click the link in our profile to make sure that you get this offer while it lasts. We have the most incredible group of women going through the program right now. And I know I would love to have the opportunity to be your personal health coach for the next three months so that you wrap up 2020 feeling your absolute best from the inside out. Click the link in our profile right now to learn all about the Raw Beauty Reset. And of course, you can always send me a DM over on Instagram at Raw Beauty Talks if you have any questions at all. So let's talk about going from where you were to becoming this top model that was like being sought after by all of these huge brands. And then also with the launch of the all woman project, your body in underwear was literally in every news and media outlet across the world. So how do you go from where you were there to being able to project this image of confidence and self-love? Well, first it's definitely important. Like you said, that it's just an image of confidence and self-love. And for a long time, it's been faking it until I made it. Mm. Um, I think Mm. people thought I was confident and strong and everything before I actually was. And, And that was always, you know, inside of me, I always wanted to use myself to make others feel better. And that's how we created the All Woman Project, which is wanting to put ourselves out there so then other women can see it and feel empowered. But both Charlie and I, when we founded the All Woman Project, we were not at our best, most confident selves. Like we were both having issues with food, with mental health, with confidence, with self-esteem. And I think funding this project and putting it out there for the world to see actually really helped both of us. You know, both Charlie and I, I think, are changed women from when we met and when we started this. So I think it's all about practicing, like self-acceptance and self-love is a really long journey. And the people that are advocating for it are most often 
not the most perfectly confident people. Like, mm. I feel like right now, like five years, almost five years in all women, like I can say that I feel very confident, at least in my body. I'm still dealing with a lot of mental health issues, I think, but my body is fully accepted. I fully love it and I embrace it. But five years ago, I could not say that and know that I was not lying to myself. Um, mm -hmm. I still had a lot of trouble. And just like, you know, putting myself out there and meeting all those women through our woman project, hearing all their testimony and, and how they felt watching those images really helped me grow and really gave me a lot of boost of confidence because, you know, the more you preach it, the more you believe in it. So by being out there and saying what I was saying and really trying to empower women, I actually empowered myself as well. Because being an advocate for what you want to achieve is going to make you be better and is going to make you, you know, like work even harder to accept yourself and love yourself. So, you know, it was, it's a journey and it's, it's never over. But for me, it's, you know, I'm getting there. I just feel like, like I said, there's a lot of, uh, I'm dealing with imposter syndrome, like heavily. And mm. so that's why even when you read my, my bio a little bit at the end, like presented me with all those cool stuff you said, I was like, Huh. I was like, oh yeah, I did that. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let it soak in. Oh. You know, sometimes it's really like you kind of just focused on what you haven't done or what you should do or what's to come. And like you really yeah. easily forget about what you have achieved and where you're coming from. And I think that's really important to remind yourself that because it's really easy to feel like you don't deserve it or you didn't do as much or, and that's how I feel a lot. So it was definitely a great intro. Anytime you need a hype girl or a cheer squad, <laughs> you call me up and I got your back. I will remind you of how many lives you changed in your journey of stepping into self-love. It's truly remarkable. One question that we had from the audience that I thought was really amazing was how do you deal with negative feedback about your body? Because when you are putting yourself out there, the... <sighs> It's so sad, but people, some people are not ready for it. And how do you, do you read the comments? Do you just like create separation between you and the comments? What's your process like? I guess um, you're speaking about other people's comments. Other people's uh, so comments. Other, okay. Because other people's comments, very honestly, I think I'm really lucky. I barely ever have negative comments from anyone. But I did very much more at the beginning of my journey because I feel like, you know, years ago, people were not accustomed to seeing bigger body and especially not proud and out there bigger bodies. So it, it was more, more um, often that I was reading bad comments. Actually, my first big job before I moved here was in France was a TV commercial. And I was the first like plus size woman on TV in France advertising for a shop that was exclusively selling size 12 and more. And it was, a, it was a big time because people were shocked and some of them were disgusted and really like outraged to like see a fat body full of satellite dancing on TV and being proud and happy, you know? And mm -hmm. so I got a lot of backlash for that from friends, from French people. And that was by far like the hardest time in terms of comments, but also was the best because, you know, woman was were taking my defense and were advocating for me. And so that was really beautiful. That actually is the first time that I saw just women coming together yes. and actually um, wanting to be accepted. And I saw the, the effect that just being out there 
at my size was having on other women. And I think that's really where my journey really started to advocate for this. But right now, comments, honestly, for me, my, my policy on socials and everywhere is like, if, if I don't like what you're saying, if it's disrespectful, I would delete and block. So yeah. it's happening sometimes. I would say once every three or four months, I get something nasty. But that's about it. Everything is really, really positive. So, and so I'm really grateful. And I actually, I just reposted on my story today, the story of Tess Holiday, which is another plus size woman yes. uh, model and influencer. Yes. And she's talking about, you know, how people have been in the way of her happiness for the last 20 years, just because she is fat and how much hate she's getting. Mm-hmm. And, and I, so I know for other women, it's been way, way tougher than it was for me. And I'm grateful to have a community that's mostly engaging in a very positive way. But, you know, I think like comments, I always see in this way, like it's not a personal attack. It's an attack towards all women that look like me. And because of that, it really hurts me to think that people feel entitled to say nasty things just because you look like me because of a size or because of anything. Like people just find any little details about you to attack you. But those people usually just hate themselves. So that's, you know, that's how my mom raised me. Like she just told me to like ignore critics. And the only way why people was, we're talking badly about you is because they just hated themselves. Yeah. So I, I, you know, try to hold on to that, to what she said. And I've just tried to apply that in, in my life and being a public figure. I mean, I'm definitely most um, open to those critiques, but I just feel like now I, it really doesn't affect me anymore if they exist, but they're not that current, thing, God. Well, you, you definitely have a community of women who are rallying for you and so supportive of you. And I think I, when I was listening to another interview that you did, you had mentioned earlier on in your career when the world wasn't so hashtag body positive yeah. and you mm-hmm. started off you know, in France with non advertisement as one of the first curvy women who was promoting whatever it was that you were promoting and that there was a divisive reaction to, to that. Do you think that the industry has changed since that first advertisement that you did? Have you seen shifts in what brands are looking for and also in the community of body positive supporters? Yeah, I think the the industry has definitely changed over the past 10 years drastically and especially over the five or four years. I remember when I started modeling, I only knew Tara Lynn, Ashley Graham. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. Um, and everything <laughs> else was non-existent. And so clearly the market has grown a hell lot now. Like almost every single brand in the US at least has a plus size range and is catering to plus size women. That wasn't the case 10 years ago. Now we see plus size bodies in TV shows, on movies, and they're not always the funny best friends. Sometimes they're actually attractive and they're actually mm-hmm. successful. And it's still rare, but it happens. And it just wasn't happening at all 10 years ago. And I feel like where the industry changed as well is they started listening to customers and to what they actually really want to see. And it turns out that customers want to see themselves in ads yes. and they want to see themselves in magazines. And so with the rise of plus size and body positive, there's also, you know, women and people that would have never been models 10 years ago than that can be. Like women that are shorter, women that are disabled, women that are older. 
every kind of woman now pretty much can be a model if they fit the mold of like the trendy look. And now the trendy look is very diverse, which yes. it wasn't 10 years ago. So I remember when I first started modeling and I signed with Muse in New York, it was probably about eight years ago. And I was the girl that was like, out of the mold you know I had like mm-hmm. freckles and lips and that was bigger and they were like well you're a little bit too edgy for commercial client and so it was really hard for me at the start because I was like the different one they were all like blonde blue eyes like simple yes. curvy girls yeah and now like I'm booking all the commercial jobs and I'm just like <laughs> the normal girl you know yes. so now there's so many like edgy like cool looking young girls that are modeling so now I'm kind of, I'm almost like, you know, the mom almost like, so it's, it's, it's funny how the industry just like changes over the years. And you can go from being like, you know, the, the challenger, the weird looking one to like the basic, like express girl, Levi's girl, H&M girl, you know, like the normal girl kind of. Yeah. So it's, it's really funny to see that for sure. What do you think's coming next? Because there's always a next and I'm not saying after you, I'm saying in the world of brands and what the next in model is. I mean, in the 90s, it was like the waif thin woman. Right now, we've got like some Kardashian stuff going on and some hourglass figures and curves and diversity. Do we just continue on in this train or are we going to have to go back to that 90s look eventually? I really hope not. Huh. Well, I mean, honestly, like two or three years ago, I thought that we were at the top of you know, what brands could take as far as diversity and that we would probably go back to like skinny, white, normal girls. Yes. But but I, I was wrong. And it's been being like more and more diverse and including even gender diversity and, and yes. every single kind of diversity. So I feel like, you know, I think we're, we're on a good train. Like I think the diversity is going to keep expanding and the type of people that are going to be highlighted is going to keep growing and changing. I don't think we're going to go back to like, skinny white thin trend anytime soon but we do have to keep in mind that this is still the biggest trend you know what I mean like even right. if diversity is huge like skinny white girls are still booking the most job being most in demand and brands are still using them mostly right so um, so we're we've not still you know, got work to do we've, we've still, still got work to do and it says the skinny to... white girl on the other side yeah. of the microphone we hey. still have work to do <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I feel like I feel the beauty of advocacy, like you don't have to be who you advocate for. And I have a, a lot of girls that are skinny white girls and that advocate for black people, for trans people, for fat people. And I think it's all about just knowing what world you want to be living in and advocating for that. So, but yeah, yes. I think, I think it's, it's important to, to talk about that because we talk a lot about fashion you know, evolving and beauty and society in general evolving and being so diverse and so cool to be black and it's so cool to be trans and it's so cool to be this and that. But really, all of those categories are still big minorities and who gets most of the pie at the end of the day are white people and in fashion, it's skinny white girls mostly. So it's definitely important to keep that in mind. Yes, still work to be done. And that yeah. is one of the things I love most about the All Woman Project is that you really have done an incredible job of capturing the beauty of all ages, races, sizes. And I mean, the photos are 
stunning. I feel like what you did was start to open the eyes of different brands as to what they could create. Because there is, at the end of the day, a certain visual that brands are looking for. And it was almost like they needed to see what the possibilities were. And I just think you girls did such an incredible, incredible job with this. Now, I just found out that your Instagram was hacked. Hmm, And I was shocked. I mean, what happened? So that happened in February. I had a really bad breakup with my ex-partner. And he decided to take all my accounts away from me, including all women project emails, website, Instagram. And he hasn't returned it so far. And I'm, you know, I'm taking the election against it. But, you know, with COVID, things take forever. And so six months later, we're still here trying to fight to not lose what we've built over this past four years. So, yeah, it's been intense. Like this happened and then COVID happened and it's been really intense for us and for AWP. And, you know, we've, we've bounced back and we created a new account and we're using all the emails, but it's, we're pretty much lost like all the work that we've built for the last four years uh, in one minute. And, <sighs> and so, yeah, that definitely feels really unfair and really hard for everyone that's been working on it. That is awful. Okay. Again, I need everyone to go over and follow the all woman project, woman with an X. And then can you also just share it in your stories to make sure that this work that they've been doing gets seen again. And I mean, this is devastating for anyone who is a content creator or who has put their, I mean, I felt it in my body. I was like, what if this ever happened to Robbie Dijon? Yeah. <laughs> Hearing about yeah. that, it would be devastating so yeah it's definitely um definitely a good lesson to you know really be aware of who you give power to and who you share your details with because you know you never know one day to the other things can change and people can go after you for what you've built I mean I'm the person who's used the same password for every single thing since I was in grade (laughs) six and got my first bank account so maybe I need to update some of those things and this is my universal reminder to do so yeah (laughs) Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure to chat with you. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast for free. Then take a screenshot of the episode as it plays on your phone and share it on social media. We will be regramming your shares. I can't wait to see all of you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.